Did you know you can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music included with your Prime membership? To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A new U.S. cyber strategy shifts liability to the private sector. Plus, major American businesses increase their bets on China. And we'll take an inside look at Ukrainians training in the U.K. on how to use Western tanks. What is really unusual here is that they are going straight out of training, straight into a battlefield. It's an incredibly short period in which they've got to learn the ropes and get into the fight. It's Thursday, March 2nd. I'm Luke Vargas with The Wall Street Journal. And here's the AM edition of What's News, the top headlines and business stories moving your world today. The Biden administration has released its long-awaited national cybersecurity strategy, a plan that the White House says is necessary given that malicious cyber activity has evolved from a criminal nuisance to a national security threat. Journal reporter Caitlin Ostroff has the details. Mostly this is focusing at critical infrastructure, utilities, banks, hospitals, financial services, anything that if it all of a sudden shut down or went offline would be very critical to -to day-to-day life. In the past, a lot of the standards for cybersecurity protection were sort of voluntary. There weren't really hard guidelines of the minimum standards that a company had to ensure to make sure that users of its software were safe from malicious activity. And so what this lays out is a shift from that. It calls for laws on software companies that sell tech that they can't lack cybersecurity protections. China has overtaken the U.S. in the study of dozens of critical technologies, according to a new report by the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. That report put Chinese researchers ahead of Americans in 37 of 44 technologies examined, which include the sectors of defense, space, robotics, energy, and AI. The report said China's research and performance in military and space sectors are particularly notable, including in the field of hypersonics, the technology of an advanced missile that China tested last year that appeared to surprise the U.S. defense community. Tesla shares slumped in late trading after the electric vehicle maker told investors that it would need to spend nearly $150 billion in order to achieve its long-term goals. That includes selling 20 million vehicles a year, compared to the around 1.3 million cars that Tesla delivered to customers last year. Chief Executive Elon Musk has said that Tesla will need roughly a dozen factories in order to meet its sales goal, and on Wednesday he confirmed plans to build a new factory in Mexico. Now, I do want to emphasize we will continue to expand production at all of our existing factories, so including California, Nevada, um, at here in Texas, obviously, and uh, Berlin, Shanghai. So we, we intend to increase production uh, at all factories. So this is not, to be clear, moving, moving output from anywhere to anywhere. It is simply about expanding uh, total global output. While Tesla hinted at new car models yesterday, displaying a slide with two vehicles cloaked in sheets, it did not share specifics. Wall Street had been clamoring for details on when Tesla may introduce a new, less expensive car that would expand its reach. 
Shares of business software provider Salesforce have surged 15% in after-hours trading after the company projected widening profit margins and revenue for the fiscal year that surpassed analysts' forecasts. That outlook comes amid pressure from activist shareholders over company spending. CEO Mark Benioff said on a call with analysts that Salesforce is reducing headcount, pairing real estate costs, and increasing scrutiny of spending in a bid to focus on efficiency. Global carbon emissions inched higher last year, according to the International Energy Agency, taking total emissions to a record 36.8 billion tons. However, the increase was less than feared as booming demand for renewables kept the impact in check following a year in which the global energy crisis drove many countries to fire up coal and power plants. The IEA said the latest figures suggest a rebound of carbon emissions from revived fossil fuel demand in 2021 was a one-off and are also evidence that the energy crisis has accelerated the rollout of greener energy sources. From McDonald's and Starbucks to Ralph Lauren and Tyson Foods, a number of large American companies are increasing their bets on China, opening new restaurants, new boutiques, and new facilities in anticipation of a post-pandemic rebound for the world's second biggest economy. Journal corporate reporter Dan Strumpf in Hong Kong has been keeping tabs on these new investments in spite of ongoing tensions between the U.S. and China. And he joins us now with an update. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me, Luke. You bet. So, Dan, these are some major U.S. companies we're talking about here betting on China. Give us a sense of the scale of these investments. Yeah, you're seeing quite a large clutch of of big American companies that are sort of dipping their toes back in the China market right now. So, for example, in the case of McDonald's, the company plans to open 1,900 restaurants globally this year. Of that number, 900, so nearly half are in China. Starbucks planning 3,000 new stores by 2025. Nobody's really quantified this number, but it's certainly in the hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more. Is China specifically soliciting this investment, or is this just, hey, the economy's reopening, consumer demand is up, we got to be there for it? There has definitely been a sort of major signaling among Chinese leaders since the end of the zero COVID era in China to tell the world that the country is open for business again. It's been kind of an all-hands-on-deck effort to tell the world and to show that China wants foreign investment again. And Dan, these investments are obviously coming at a time when tensions between the U.S. and China remain high. How does that figure into the calculations these businesses are making? A lot of these investments are coming at a time when U.S.-China relations are at a low point. Things have really taken a turn fast in the last month or two. You've got the whole dust up over the Chinese balloon surveillance program, the war in Ukraine and the differences between Beijing and the U.S. over that war have really driven a wedge between the two countries. And many companies are actually still quite skeptical about investing in China. One interesting thing that stands out about the companies that are announcing these new investments is that in many cases, they're sort of consumer facing companies that are putting a long term bet on the Chinese consumer. And, you know, with a sort of view that 
consumer spending might not be caught up in a lot of these U.S.-China tensions. That was Wall Street Journal corporate reporter Dan Strumpf in Hong Kong. Dan, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Coming up, we'll take an inside look at Ukrainian troops training to use British tanks just weeks before the hardware heads to the front lines. That's after the break. Hey, what's news, fans? Listen up. Did you know you can listen to episodes of this very show ad-free on Amazon Music included with your Prime membership? That's right. All your favorite What's News episodes can be heard on Amazon Music ad-free. But that's not all. You get access to other fan-favorite shows like The Daily, Up First, and Fox News Rundown ad-free as well. Amazon Music has all you need to stay up to date on all things newsworthy by offering the most ad-free top podcasts, so we know they definitely have something for you. And it's already included in your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or visit amazon.com slash what's news. That's amazon.com slash what's news. It's just that easy. So when you've got steep hills because the gun might dig into the floor when you come down the hill, sometimes you'll need to stop and put the gun over the side just to get down the hill. That is the sound of Ukrainian soldiers training to use a British Challenger 2 tank. In just a few weeks, the UK will deliver 14 of those tanks to Ukraine as part of the country's push to supply Kiev with powerful battlefield technology in its ongoing war with Russia. Journal video journalist Eve Hartley recently visited Ukrainian soldiers who are training on those tanks in the UK, and she joins us now alongside WSJ editor-at-large Stephen Fiddler. Eve, I want to start with you. Could you tell us about the training that you were able to attend recently? Who was there and what were they doing? Yeah, so the training that I attended was in the south of England. It was at a military area operated by the British Army. And essentially, it was just one big training session on tanks. They were learning to maneuver the vehicles. They were also learning to maintain the vehicles in terms of repairs, like how to fix them up on the battlefield. And they were also learning how to load ammunition inside of them. There was about 20 or 30 people involved in the training on the day. There were multiple high-vis wearing army drivers speaking to Ukrainians and telling them how to maneuver, essentially, how to turn left, how to turn right, how to get up a hill, which is uh, quite challenging in the Challenger 2s. You mentioned there being Ukrainian personnel there. Tell us a bit more about these soldiers and how they are being equipped to use these tanks. Yeah, so the tanks were being operated by crews of Ukrainian forces. We don't know that much about who these people are, but what we do know is that many of them haven't actually driven tanks before this training. We know that some of them were tractor drivers or mechanics in the past, and these are transferable skills, we were told, by British trainers in terms of learning to drive tanks and are essential for maintaining them on the battlefield. Stephen, you have been reporting on Western efforts to supply Ukraine with advanced weapon systems and tanks in recent months. How unique is it what Eve is describing, how the UK is, is training these Ukrainian service members on these tanks? 
Well, the British were the first to actually offer Western-built main battle tanks uh, to Ukraine. Other other NATO countries had delivered uh, some of their own Soviet-era battle tanks. And this training is going on elsewhere in other places, including Germany, with German-made battle tanks called the Leopards. And also the US will be doing it in the future with Abrams tanks, which will eventually be in the field in in Ukraine. So it's not unique to the UK. But what is unusual with this is that they're being handed over in wartime so that the training sessions are much more truncated to be a much shorter time period than normal. Eve, as Stephen mentioned, the Ukrainians are training in a really short time frame here in order to get these tanks on the front lines soon. Tell us more about what exactly Ukrainian soldiers are learning to do. Yeah, so these tanks are different, mainly in terms of their armor. They have one of the most protective armors that you can get in tanks. But we spoke to Ben Barry, a military analyst who's an expert in land warfare, who had some thoughts about the key differences between Soviet-era tanks and Challenger 2s. Soviet-era tanks are smaller and lighter than Western tanks. So they'll find it easier to get... um, up a steep hill because they weigh 45 or 50 tons as opposed to about 70 tons of a Challenger, an Abrams or a Leopard Leopard 2. You know, the electronics are different to the Soviet era tanks and that might be a learning curve. But the major difference is that four people are needed to work on a Challenger 2 tank, whereas the Soviet vehicles, most of them need three. And that's because of the system of loading the ammo and to fire the ammo. And so the Soviet era tanks actually have an automatic system, but the British tanks need someone to do that physically. As mentioned, these tanks will be in Ukraine soon, but military analyst Ben Barry also said that the Ukrainians aren't getting enough of them, period. The Ukrainians have been asking for a thousand of these modern armored fighting vehicles, 300 tanks, uh, 700 infantry fighting vehicles. I've been keeping tally of what's actually been offered, and it's a small proportion of that. You know, if you add it up, it's probably no more than 60 or 70 tanks, and it's about 150 modern infantry fighting vehicles. So it's not everything the Ukrainians have asked for, which means that that the Ukrainians will struggle to achieve the impact that they would do if the West had given them the full number of modern armoured vehicles they'd asked for. Stephen, given these limitations, how decisive a military asset are these tanks even going to be for Ukraine? So what the Ukrainians are going to need if they're going to break through again the Russian front lines is all these things, protection, firepower, mobility. And, you know, only with that and with the advanced systems that they have on board, they were likely to make a significant difference. Now, is the difference they will make sufficient to go and break through these Russian lines in a decisive way. It's too soon to say, but certainly without them, Ukraine would stand very little chance of doing them. So they're absolutely essential for the next phase of the war in which we're expecting to see further Ukrainian offensives. Eve, finally, you had a chance to speak to Ukrainian soldiers at this training site. What was their mood like? Well, the mood from the Ukrainian forces on the ground was grateful. I think they were very happy that they'd been provided these tanks by Western partners. And yeah, they were determined to learn them as fast as they could in order, what they said, was to be able to win with them on the battlefield. 
Yeah, I think what we've heard from others who have been involved with Ukrainian forces that are training is that they're very highly motivated and really do want to hurry through this training, get in there, back to the battlefield as quickly as possible. So they're highly motivated. They seem to be able to accommodate these complex systems very well and, you know, move them into action. And what is really unusual here is that they are going straight out of training straight into a battlefield. So that's the big difference with people who have trained on these things in the past, that it's an incredibly short period in which they've got to learn the ropes and get into the fight. That was Wall Street Journal editor-at-large Stephen Fiddler. Stephen, thank you as always. My pleasure. And journal video journalist Eve Hartley. Eve, thank you so much for bringing us this story. Thanks. And to see Eve's video about the tank training, head on over to wsj.com forward slash video. And that's What's News for Thursday morning. We'll be back tonight with a new show. I'm Luke Vargas with The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. Did you know you can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music included with your Prime membership? To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.